Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. And so, Father, Lord, we declare today that this word will build us and grant us our renters in Christ in the name of Jesus. And the entire church says a big amen. amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Before we have a seat, Romans 14, verse 17. It says the kingdom of God is not in meat or drink, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. I'm not first believed the scriptures. And you believe the word of God is power. Are you ready? Shout hallelujah! Hallelujah! Alright, welcome somebody on your right and your left and say you're welcome to church and have your seat in God's presence. As we celebrate the choir. Come on, let's celebrate the choir. Ah, that's not celebrate. Celebrate the choir. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now I know we are in we are close to summer, so we're not cold. So why are you cold? We are hot. Okay, we are hot. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Uh, before I go ahead, I want to celebrate uh, the pastor, Lord, my assembly, Pastor Nife. I want to celebrate. Thank you, sir. For the opportunity to share the word and to do what, you know, we love to do. <laughs> Hallelujah. Uh, you know, God is good, right? Ah, somebody said all the time. <laughs> God is good, right? And God is not good because we are good. All right? And I always like to say these things that we say in, our, in my language, Yoruba language. <laughs> you know, they say the fault of men does not affect the goodness of God. And they put this, they say, right? In other words, God is good because of his nature. He doesn't have to wait for you to be good before he is good. Hallelujah. God is good because he is good. You don't have to do anything for God to become good. In fact, it is the goodness of God that God relies on for you to come close to him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And that's one of the things we want to deal with this morning because one of the problems that the believer has that makes it difficult for the believer to enjoy the goodness of God is that the believer is always sin conscious. And that's what we want to deal with this morning. Uh, I'll put it this way. No more sin consciousness. Hallelujah. Now become righteous conscious. Now I, I believe that that's not too long for us to write. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> First John 3. <laughs> From us, we'll read verse 19 to 21. Then we'll probably come back to this before we are done. Hallelujah. Paradosha kandri makosa paradia sok oplenderia makushi pratasa kalabayadusi kerimatosa brandia shalia katasalaba. Lord, I declare this word is soaked in your power in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, I refuse any wax that will block the ears of men in the name of Jesus. I declare, Lord Father, that the ears of men are open to receive your word and the heart are open in the mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 1 John 3, verse 19 to 21. He said, and by this we know that we are of the truth 
and shall assure our hearts before him. For if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, then what? We have confidence toward God. I'll read that again. Verse 19 to 21 again. Say, by this we know that we are of the truth. Now notice where our origin is. We are of the truth. The word of the truth is like the same word you are born of the truth. It's like your father is the truth. Your genealogy is a lineage of truth. You are of the truth. You are born of truth. And shall assure our hearts. Now notice very straight away there that the job of assuring our heart is us. And we'll look at that. 20. For if our heart condemns us not, uh, sorry, for if our heart condemns us, it says God is greater than our heart. And you know, Hebrews says, he said, without all controversy, he said, the less is blessed of the greater. So, if you are smart, you must always look towards the greater, not towards the less. Hallelujah. Nobody looks towards a beggar to give them. You look towards somebody who has to give. Do you understand what I'm saying? So, he says, he says for if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence towards God. Now, the thing that affects the Christian walk is not sin per se, it's sin consciousness. You know, E.W. Canyon says, he says, the problem of the church is not sin, is not sin, it's sin consciousness because Jesus dealt with sin, right? So it is the consciousness of sin that is actually the problem. Why we, are, we find it hard, for instance, to even pray for something as minute as healing is because we feel that God doesn't want to heal me because I'm not right with him. We don't have a problem with God's ability. We have a problem with God's willingness to heal us. God's willingness to answer our prayer. God's willingness to speak to us. Hallelujah. So the main problem is not sin, essentially. It's actually the conscience of sin. And that's what we want to look at today and look at what Jesus did concerning that. Hebrews 10. Hallelujah. Hebrews chapter 10. You know, devil is a liar, right? He always he wants to keep you in that guilt and that shame. But God always, 24-7, wants to liberate you from that. You must always notice, realize, before we read Hebrews 10. Okay, let's read Hebrews 10, 1, and we'll share some things together. Hallelujah. Is it boring? All right. Hebrews 10, 1, it says, For the law having a shadow of the good things to come. Now look at that. It didn't even say shadow of things. It says shadow of good things. To come, you know, I always like to say this that we must be careful with uh, when you're reading the Bible of every word you find there. All right, you know, when you neglect any word, even words like two letter words, be, no, of, if, those words are very important. They are not there as they are not. It's not a mistake. And we see one of maybe one of them today. Hallelujah. He said, and not the very image of the things can never with these same sacrifices which they offer continually year by year, make those who approach perfect. Now verse 2, it says, For then would they not have ceased to be offered? For the worshippers once purified would have had no more consciousness of sin. So, <clears throat> excuse me, the problem here was that they kept making the sacrifice every year, but still the consciousness of sin was there. That's like the problem. 
the conscience of sin was still there. And look at, because based on the ordinances that was given and the statutes and the laws and everything, they have to do this every year. So once the sacrifice 2021, they're already looking forward to 2022 for the next sacrifice. And what's the sacrifice for, for sin, right? So they are always constantly reminded that sin is there. So the conscience of sin is always there, affecting them and affecting their style of worship. You know, Jesus said in John 4, he said that the father seeketh such to worship him, right? To worship him in truth, you know, freedom, freely, no problem, right? So anything that hinders that worship is not in the will of God. Does not make God happy. Are we together? So look at that, it says, For then would they not have ceased to be offered? For the worshippers once purified would have had no more conscience of sin. Now under the law, when the law was given in Exodus 20, you know, you see all the do's and don'ts. Now, you must know that the law itself is not bad. The law itself is not bad. For instance, don't kill. I mean, even for the layman who is dumb, we realize that killing is bad. Both for the killer and the killee. <laughs> or the killed. <laughs> so, so, killing is bad. Covetousness is bad. Murder is bad. Whatever it is. Hallelujah. But then, the problem was, the children of Israel didn't understand why the law was given in the first place. Because the law was not given as to tell you what to do or what not to do. I mean, before the law was given, there was sin. Romans 5 tells us, it said, before the law came, there was sin. But this is it. When there is no law, sin is not counted. Let me explain this way. I read something online, and I, I thought it would help. So, I went to search about it. There's something called autobahn. How many of you know autobahn? There are roads where there are no speed limits. Have you heard it, have you heard it before? Ah, okay, okay, right. Uh, I think Jam, Jam, Jamni was the proponent of such, and some other states have it. Now, on this road, there is no speed limit. I know many of us, speed junkies, will like that, will like that yeah? They all carry your car, put it there, they all run. Nobody will hold you. So nobody's going to hold you for anything. Now, does speed kill? Speed, does it kill? Speed does not kill. Speed kills now. They write it everywhere. <laughs> Hallelujah. Oh, you're scared. Don't want to offend me, Abby. Okay, let me ask again. Does speed kill? It doesn't kill. Okay, okay. <laughs> it speed well. Okay. <laughs> so now you are speed on the road, and something is crossing. You can't press your brake as fast as you should. Uh, you won't kill somebody, Abby. <laughs> now, when a road that has limits tells you, don't speed past its limit, they're saying because they don't want you to commit a crime, either against the government or against somebody on the road. I don't, I don't really drive, so I don't really know much, right? So there is a consequence of that act. Does it make sense? Right? Now, on this autobahn, where there's no limit, the consequence of that act still exists. So sin still exists by doing, if you still do that act. But because there is no law on that place, no police officer will come there and say, take ticket. Is that right? So the Bible put it this way. It said, why is the law given? It said it's given because of transgression. You know, Galatians 3, Galatians 3.19. Hallelujah. Sorry, I was already getting carried away. Are we together? 
Hope that illustration makes sense. Okay. Sorry if it started a little rough. Galatians what? 3.19. It said, what purpose then? Okay. It said, where then served the law? It said, it was added because of transgression. Now, now, I love Greek words. So, because they help. They help me a lot. Now, the Greek word there is parabasis. It means there, it says there, it says violation of a law or something given. You know, violate, you know, a, a moral law or something, list of what to do and what not to do. Now, it said the violation of it and a realization that righteousness is needed. Oh, sorry, a realization that justification is needed. So, translation means that I give this into you so that you realize that, listen, if you do this, it will cause problem, but you need to be redeemed from it. So, it was given to the Jews so that they realized that, listen, you have been doing wrong, but you need to be saved from that wrong. Because before it was given, they didn't know that they needed any salvation from such. For instance, if you read something like Genesis, you see some atrocity in Genesis, and it's as though the people who committed it have no conscience. If you have read the book of Genesis, you see some strange, some strange things there. If I even under the law, you see some people do some crazy things. We read something, something happened in the book of Judges. <laughs> One man, they slept with his, uh, I think it was, was his concubine or something like that. And he took her and cut her in pieces. You know, what we possess a man to do that? And also pretty under the law. So in his, in his mind. So, my point is this. Before this was given, men were committing this sin without any remorse. Not because they were wicked, but they didn't know that they need to be saved from that. And God, knowing this, knows that, you know what, these guys, they need to be saved from this. I can't relate with them freely because they need to be saved from this. This is a problem. So when the law came, the law's job was to make men realize, or not men, actually, Jews, very important, was to make Jews realize that, listen, guys, you have been doing wrong, and you need to be saved from this wrong. Simple English. Does it make sense? And let me say this. For those who, you know, under the law, <laughs> based on the law, if you don't fulfill everything, you are guilty of everything. Not just the one you didn't fulfill, though. <laughs> James 2 verse 10, it says, if you don't fulfill one, you are guilty in every. In other words, if your own problem is that you don't sin, or sorry, you don't lie, that means you are both a liar, or sorry, you don't say the truth. That means you are both a liar, homosexualist, drug addict, you are everything. Uh, does it make sense? That's the truth, though. So, look at uh, the James 2.10. And I don't want, I, I want us to have everything today. Hallelujah. Are we together? Don't worry, I won't take our time more than we should. James 2, verse 10, it says there, it says, For whoever shall keep the whole law, yet stumble in one point, is guilty of all. You know, and, 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 you know, I think a lot of folks read this and don't understand what they're saying. You keep one, neglect the other, you're getting everything. Everything, you know. <laughs> you know, I read one, one crazy thing today. Deuteronomy uh, 21, I think. I forgot the part. I didn't want to remember it, actually. <laughs> it says, if your son offends you, bring him out with the elders. Let the entire city stone him to death. Cha. Man, under such a law. Man, I thank God I'm born in this dissociation, honestly. I thank God I wasn't born a Jew. <laughs> Hallelujah. So, 
the, the job of the law was this. In other words, the law was not, you know, the Bible says, says the law is not of faith. And let me explain that. And I, I've, did it, I didn't understand that for a while. You know, when God gave Abraham the covenant, it came straight with a promise. Right? It came with a promise. And when God told Abraham, the Bible says in Galatians 3, it says it was given to Abraham and to his seed. Right? Okay, we say it's not seeds, right? That's what the Bible says, right? So to Abraham and to Jesus. Does it make sense? Now, when God gave this to Abraham, he, he, he didn't give him with ordinances and status. He didn't give him a long billete be, you know, a long ticket. He didn't. He just gave him this with a blessing, straight. But when the law was given with all the long list and everything, <laughs> in fact, the law had a problem. Because with the law came cause, not blessing. Hallelujah. With the law came cause, not blessing. And this pushed to realize that God didn't want such a thing to be given to man. No. Hebrews 10, and I believe I'm saying some things, and hallelujah. Are we together? Let's read Hebrews 10, because I don't want to neglect it. So we're not going to carry it away. Are we together? Now verse 3, he said, but in those sacrifices, there's a reminder of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sins. Therefore, when he came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you do not desire, but the body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sacrifice for sin, you had no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come. Who do you think is talking here? Jesus, right? Said, for I have come in the volume of the book, it is written of me, to do your will. And that's the part we want to look at. To do your will, O God. It previously sin, sacrifice and offering, burnt offerings and offerings for sin, you did not desire, nor had pleasure in them, which are found according to the law. Now, then he said, Behold, I've come to do your will, O God. It takes away the first, that he may establish the second. It takes away the first, that he may establish the second. This does not require certain spiritual revelations or I means just to tell you. You just track back to verse 8. And it says, previously, sacrifice and offering, burnt offering, that's the first. An offering is for sin you did not desire, not pleasure in. Then nine, behold, I have come to do your will. Second. So he took away the sacrifice of the law and brought the will. Now if you realize they're very, very straight away, and I've always used to read this, I didn't understand it, verse 10. I used to think that it's, it's like, you know, by that will, we'll have redemption, uh, sanctified. No. He said, by that will, that will, you see that? That will, by that will, we have been sanctified. By that will that he came to do, we have been sanctified. Are we together? By that will. And why I want to emphasize on that this morning is because it sounds as though we say it all the time, but somehow in our closet, we still ask God for forgiveness. Somehow we still beg God to talk to us. Sometimes we still struggle to, for God to help us. And it's because we are always conscious that when I need to make a certain level of sacrifice to appease God. In fact, the job of sacrifice wasn't that. Look at Exodus 20. 
Because if you realize in Exodus 20 where the law was given, are we together? Exodus 20, when the law was given, almost immediately God told them to sacrifice. Why? You see that? Verse 24. Exodus 20, verse 24. Are we there? An altar of the earth you shall make for me, and you shall sacrifice on it your burnt offerings and your peace offerings, your sheep and your oxen. Now look at this. He said, in every place where I record my name, I will come to you and do what? The reason why God wanted them to make sacrifice just about immediately after the law was given was so that you could find a way to bless them. So God always wanted to bless them. So the job here wasn't for them to hear the law. It was for God to find a way to bless them. This is straight written in the scriptures. So you realize then, my, my, my point here is, the purpose of everything is not God trying to make you know the law. No. You know, it's not give you so that you be able to cram the entire 600 and how many laws? 13 laws or so. No. It is job, is God trying to find a way to reach to you without any obstruction. Hallelujah. Hebrews 10 again. Does that make sense? And I'll try to wrap up soon. Hebrews 10. You know, I said something, you know, recently, oh, sorry, just now, that the law, is not of, the law is not of faith. In other words, for Abraham to receive what God gave him, all he had to do was believe, right? Genesis 56. He believed. Now, the Bible says, for the law, belief wasn't required. It didn't come by faith. It didn't come by them believing. There was no need for them believing. It didn't come on the basis of them believing. Right? I mean, it was it's written there. There's only for you to believe. You are seeing it. <laughs> right? But for Abraham, Abraham needed to believe. Jesus coming based, was based on belief. They, the Jews, they don't walk in faith. I mean, they were there for 30 years, didn't believe God for one day. They didn't believe God. Hallelujah. But for the coming of, of uh, Jesus, faith was required. And this same faith is the way you can relate and work with God. It is by believing in this same thing he did. Nothing else. Listen, I know we know what to do and what not to do. No matter how many of it you know, it's not going to help you relating with God. No, it's not. In fact, the more you, re- you remember what you should or should not do, the more conscious of you of sin. The more you are conscious of sin. Hallelujah. And the more you are conscious of sin, the harder it is for God to relate with you. God doesn't go anywhere. You know, the Bible says, it says that iniquity that drags us away from God. Isaiah 59. Hallelujah. Let me just see Bruce 10. You know, I want us to have this. I keep jumping away from it. Devil is a liar. Hebrews 10, now look at verse 10 to 12. He said, by that will, we have been sanctified through the offering, are we together, of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifice, man, how tedious, which can never take away sins. Verse 12, but this man after he had offered one sacrifice for sins, forever, Sat down at the hand of God. You know, we, we accept 
our sins are paid for yesterday. We accept our previous sins are paid for. But we find it very hard, almost impossible to accept that our future sins are paid for. When Jesus died on the cross, you were not born. All your sins, both the ones that are in your past, in your present and your future, were all in future as at the time he died. Hallelujah. So as far as sin is concerned, God has absolutely zero problem. Zilch. Nada. No problem with sin. Whether you want to believe it or not. Hallelujah. And let me continue reading. He said, but this man, after he has offered one sacrifice for sins, forever sat down at the right hand of God, from right hand with him, till his enemies are made his fools too. 14. For by one offering, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. By that one offering, Jesus did everything. He said in John 19.30, John 19.30, he said, it is finished. If I would like to read that part, he says, you know, he, he drank a sour wine. You know, this morning I felt, you know, that that sour wine is, you know, him taking the entire sin, just a kind of representation of it, taking the entire sin in, and then, guy, it's finished. Done. When you are sin conscious, like we read in that First John 3, verse 19 to 21, it says, your heart condemns you. It is now hard for you to pray. It's hard for you to relate with God. In fact, it's hard for you to even call yourself a son of God. How I many of us know you sin, your father disowns you? And then under the law, you are disowned. Impossible. I read something online, they call it familiar jurisprudence. Where under the law, no matter how hard you try, no matter how you try, you can't disown your child. They are still your child by nature. And what the devil wants us to do to think is to think that if you do something, God is going to leave you completely. Impossible. This sacrifice covers everything. Honestly, this is the one message I wanted to give to us this morning. Don't allow any nonsense talk to discard the sacrifice of Christ from you and what he did. Please. We are struggling because we keep thinking that what you do can undo what Christ did. No. No. And normally, I'm a very joyful person. Really, I am. But I think about this for a while, and it hasn't been making me joyful. Because the children of God shouldn't struggle. Should not struggle. And when I had the opportunity to share this, I mean, I've been rolling my mind, I've been praying my mind to be, to be joyful. Hallelujah. And we are joyful in Jesus' name. All right, Hebrews 8, and we'll end here. Hebrews 8. Hallelujah. I hope you got some this morning. Okay. Now, I know it's not new. Hebrews chapter 8. Now, it's not new, I know, but it's important. I'm going to read from verse 7 down to verse 8. Hebrews 8, it says, For if that first covenant had been faultless, and when it says faultless here, it's about the fact that the law could not make you sanctified or justified. Not because the law itself is bad. I hope you understand it better now, yeah? Then no place would have been sought for the circumstances because finding fault with them, it says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Jacob, not according to the covenant I had that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, because it did not continue in my covenant. 
So there was an existing covenant. But it, which one? They, with Abraham. But they did not continue in that. They didn't have faith. They didn't continue in that. So they needed. And as you them, says the Lord. Now verse 10 says, For this is covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, says the Lord. Now look at this. He said, I will put my laws in their mind and write them on their hearts. And I will be their God. And shall be my people, right? So none of them shall teach his neighbor and none his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for all shall know me from the least of them to the greatest of them. Verse 12, he said, For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness. Now, this is the part we're going to. He said, And their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Man, <laughs> you must, these are some things that should be on your mind all the time, not what I did, what I'm doing. The fact that God himself said, I will not remember their lawless deeds anymore. In fact, that no, he said, no more. That no there, the Greek word there is no without any condition. And I could say no to you, and I would say no, except, say that you come. I said no, except you cook. You you understand what I'm saying? But this no is no condition. There is no reason for which God will remember your sins. See, it doesn't matter where it's preached from. This is the basic truth. Because once we realize this, then we can push. Once we realize this, it's easy for you to freely relate with God. Don't let the devil affect your worship. Don't let your remembrance of sin affect how you relate with God. Because sometimes, I, you know, I was sitting, I was I'd be rolling my mind and wondering why... We are struggling. Thank you very much. Why are we struggling? Why are we struggling to believe God? Why are we struggling to believe God? I've been thinking that it has been, you know, affecting my mind. Why? We're always remembering that God is angry. God is not happy with me. I did this. I did this. I did this. That's so basic that God forgave your sin. In fact, when you read the Bible, you realize Jesus said when he told them, he said, he said, preach repentance. And remission of sin. Not just forgiveness, though. Remission of sin. Hallelujah. That's so important. Let me tell you the truth this morning. Stop thinking about sin. Rather think about righteousness. Think of how Christ has made you righteous. I always like to say this. It's not about your hairstyle or what you wear. Or what you do, in fact. Because the more you keep thinking of that, the more it affects how you relate with God. Hallelujah. Let's bow our heads. And we're just going to pray, we're going to pray two prayers. One of them is for ourselves. And, you know, as the Spirit of God led me, for forgot. We're going to pray for the, the land of India. And first of all, I want to pray for ourselves. I'm going to pray for myself that, Lord, I refuse to allow sin and sin consciousness in me in the name of Jesus. I want you to pray that prayer for yourself. And I'm struggling with it this morning a lot. I want you to pray that for yourself, that, Lord, I refuse to allow this. I choose to stay or your sacrifice for me. In the name of Jesus, I choose to stay on sacrifice for me in the name of Jesus. 
I want us to just go ahead and pray that prayer. Lord, I choose to stay on sacrifice for me in the name of Jesus. I refuse to stay under the bondage of the law and bondage of what to do and what not to do. But I receive your sacrifice to teach me to do right. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. And finally, I want us to pray for that the land of India for healing and for the church of God right there. Just go ahead and pray for the church of God and the believers there and the entire nation at large. Also, as you're using as a point of contact to us, also nations affected. The Lord, we speak health, we speak divine healing. In the name of Jesus. Let's pray for India, pray for 